Welcome to the Infertility Stress Podcast, where we talk about how to care for your mind and your nervous system during your fertility treatment process so you can reduce your stress and anxiety and prevent fertility-related burnout and enjoy your life. I'm Michelle Kapler, fertility-focused acupuncturist and Chinese medicine practitioner, board-certified reproductive specialist and feminist mindset coach, and you've got episode 61. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, I'm going to be talking with you about five things that I wish that people knew when starting fertility treatments and IVF. I've been working with people for over 12 years in a clinical context using acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And I find that the conversations that I have with people, although are very individual to their own context, you kind of see the same things coming up over and over again. And I wish there was just kind of this manual or worksheet or publication or something that fertility clinics would give out when people are starting IVF to kind of tell you, well, here are a couple of things that nobody talks about, but these are really important things to keep in mind. So I want to talk about five of those things today. I'm sure there are more, but these are the ones that I see coming up most frequently. So the first one is that this is a marathon and not a sprint. A lot of people go into their fertility treatment experience without much warning or explanation of what it's going to be like. They just get the referral from their doctor and they get the call and they're like, great, I've been waiting for a really long time. We're going to get this going. We're going to get some medical treatment and we're going to have a baby. But unfortunately, the fertility clinic experience tends to be a little bit longer of a process than people are typically experiencing or expecting rather. So to give you an example, if somebody is referred to a fertility clinic and they know already that they need IVF, and this could be for a bunch of reasons, it might be because of male factor, it might be because they're looking to rule out a genetic disorder, it might be because they don't have any fallopian tubes, it might be because they have two uteruses in the couple and they're needing to use donor sperm. There's so many different reasons why people might know off the top of their head that they need to do the IVF route. And they've been waiting so long to get the process going and they get to the fertility clinic and it's just a lot longer than they thought it would be. And this is because the referral takes time and then you have to do cycle monitoring for a month where they do a lot of tests and ultrasounds to just diagnostically figure out what's going on or to rule out that nothing is going on. And then there's the waiting between cycles and there's the waiting for test results, waiting for things to take effect, waiting for time to go by, waiting for the doctor to be available. And so a process that a lot of people conceptually think might be six to 12 weeks ends up being maybe a year or a year and a half. And that's not even mentioning coming up with funding and affording everything. So here where I work in my practice in Ontario, Canada, we do have government funding for one IVF cycle per person per lifetime. And sometimes out of necessity to need to use that funding, people might be waiting 18 months just by way of waiting for their turn to come up. So if you keep in mind that it's probably going to take longer than you think to actually end up with a positive pregnancy test and then a live baby at the end of it, that's just a really good thing to keep in mind in the back of your head. 
The second thing that I wish that people knew when starting fertility treatments and IVF is that other people's medical data is not actually useful in any way. I see this so often where people are embarking on either a brand new treatment protocol or they are veering off to a different protocol or their doctor wants to try a new approach or maybe their doctors are scratching their head and they don't know what's going on or why things aren't working. And what happens is they'll go into the forums on Facebook or Reddit, and they'll ask things like, here's my medical data. I have high FSH. I have diminished ovarian reserve. I have this male factor. My doctor suggesting this drug protocol and this medication and this timing and this suppression protocol and genetic testing at the end and embryo glue and ICSI. Has anybody had success with a similar protocol? And the downside to doing that is that No matter how many responses that you get that are positive saying, oh yeah, I did that and then I ended up having a baby, is that their story isn't actually relevant to your story in that even if two people have the exact same medical data on paper, that is they have the same diagnosis, the same reason for needing fertility treatment, the same drug protocol, the same lifestyle the same diet, the same acupuncturist, everything could be exactly the same on paper. And one person might get pregnant and one person might not. We still don't know why. There's still so much that medical science doesn't know about how human reproduction works. And so one person's medical data doesn't actually give you a reliable way to know your own outcome. And I think that's what people are looking to do is to deal with that discomfort of there being so much unknown in a situation that you have no control over. And I find that when people go and seek other people's opinions on their drug protocol or just what they're doing with their clinic, it creates a lot of unintended anxiety because deep down we all know that somebody else's body probably won't behave in the exact same way that yours will. And so that information isn't actually applicable. So my advice is always just stick to your own protocol, stick to your own medical data. If you have questions, ask your care provider, but don't compare yourself to others because it just causes a lot of negative emotion and unknown. So I recommend just not doing that. The third thing that I wish that people knew when starting fertility treatments and IVF is that, and this is a quick one, but that it typically takes more than one embryo transfer to end up with a live baby. I've seen hundreds, if not thousands of people doing their first frozen embryo transfer. And it's tough because you want to be excited and you want to be hopeful and you're doing this new thing that you've never done before. And of course you want to hope that it's going to work, but statistically speaking, most people need two or three or more embryo transfers in order to actually end up with a live birth at the end of it. And It's always going to be disappointing and this isn't meant to take away from that disappointment or diminish the experience. So of course it's important to feel that, but also if somebody is going into the experience expecting that it's going to work the first time, it can be you know, actually mildly traumatic for somebody to find out that, yeah, it's actually 
statistically less likely for it to work on the first try than in subsequent tries. And most people's doctors don't take the time to explain that, or it's just left out of the conversation. So when my clinical patients are going into that first transfer ever, I always take the time to explain that to them. And it's not that it doesn't hurt when it doesn't work out. And it's not that they don't experience painful emotions around that, but they just feel maybe a little bit more prepared and they're not so shocked when it happens that way. Of course, we always want to hold space for the possibility that, yes, you might be that person that's going to get pregnant on the first try because, of course, I have seen it over the years, but it's just not the most common outcome for people to have that happen. So the fourth thing that I wish all people knew in starting fertility treatments in IVF, and if you take nothing else away from today's conversation, I want this to be it. Well, maybe maybe number five too, definitely number five too, but this one's also important. And that's that you are fully entitled to have all of your questions answered before you begin treatment. In the fertility clinic experience, a lot of my patients and clients express that they feel like they're just a number or they're being moved through like cattle or they're in amongst so many people, they're not sure if they're getting individualized attention. And sometimes that can be perception, but sometimes it can be the truth. We work in medical systems that are under-resourced and the doctors, of course, do the best that they can, but they just don't have the time to do a fully individualized conversation at each point. So my message here is that if there's anything that is unclear to you, if there's anything that you have questions about, if there's anything that you're uncomfortable with, it is not only your responsibility, but also your right to ask for all of the information that you need from your doctors in order to feel comfortable moving forward. If you are embarking on a new procedure and you're not sure why your doctor is doing it, or if there's a particular medication that they want to add to your protocol and you're not sure if it's actually compatible with the other things that you're doing, or if there's a new intervention that you want to try, but you're not really sure if it works with your case, if there's any questions, if there's any knowledge that you feel that you're missing, it is totally okay and good for everybody involved communication-wise to book a meeting with your doctor and your nurse to make sure that you have all of your questions answered before you begin the treatment. This is a basic tenet of medical practice where the patient before embarking on a particular treatment that they haven't done before, it's important that they fully understand the advantages and the disadvantages and all of the options on the table before they move forward with any kind of treatment. So if this is not you, make sure that you ask your care provider to get you there. And the fifth thing that I wish people knew when starting fertility treatments in IVF, and again, I know that I said that the last one is important, and it is, but if you take anything away from today, it would be this. It's that you are not broken. You are not inferior. There is nothing wrong with you. You're not less than. You're not flawed because you need medical help for a legitimate and diagnosable medical condition. It's this funny thing where we feel personally responsible and that there is something wrong with us when our very human bodies inevitably break down and succumb to disease and experience illness and don't always behave in the way that we would want. And 
there are some conditions that are socially accepted as not someone's fault or bad luck. And then there are some medical conditions where we're told that we should be able to action our way out of it. And I think that fertility diagnoses kind of straddle that border between, you know, it's not the person's fault versus there's all these things that you should be doing in order to improve or optimize, quote unquote, your fertility. And it plays into this deep sense of shame that happens when people need to use medical treatment for this very legitimate medical condition. So my message at the end of all of this is that there's nothing wrong with you and give yourself a break. It's totally okay that this is happening. This is a very human thing. Everybody's bodies experience some kind of dysfunction one way or another, and it's totally okay. And it's actually not related to your worthiness as a human. Okay, my friends, those are the five things that I wish that everyone knew when starting fertility treatments in IVF. And if you're a veteran IVF warrior and you think that I've missed anything on the list, I want to hear from you. Come and find me on Instagram and send me a direct message and let me know what your must know piece of advice is for folks who are just starting out. And if this episode spoke to you, please consider sharing it. Take a screenshot of the episode and post it on your local IVF support Facebook group. This will help more people find us who need to hear this info. That's it for me this week. I'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, you've got this, my friend. If you are loving what you're learning in the podcast, you've got to check out the Pineapple Collective. It's my monthly group coaching membership where we take this work to the next level so you can learn to manage your mind and actually rewire your brain to reduce stress and anxiety and avoid emotional burnout during your fertility treatment process. Oh yeah, and actually maybe and enjoy your life too. You're going to head to michellecapler.com forward slash pineapple to sign up today. I can't wait to see you there.